A message from our sponsor, Pivot Lending Group, Littleton, Colorado. Pivot Lending Group provides a tailored mortgage lending experience with strong local builder and realtor relationships and customized loan services. We pivot to help you grow in your community and realize your personal home ownership goals. Visit us at pivotlending.com. This is Mitch Friedman with Pivot Lending Group, and today we have the owner of 212 Degree Team, Matt Harper, and Keller Williams Avenues. And we're going to talk to Matt today about how he got into the real estate industry, how he runs his daily business, a little bit about Matt personally, and I think we're all going to learn quite a bit from Matt because he's a true professional in the real estate industry and looking forward to it. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing well, Mitch. Thank you. I, I appreciate the the invitation here to come do uh, this interview. Normally, uh, as you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the other side doing interviews. Uh, for industry partners, you and I have done a number of videos together uh, that we host on our YouTube channel. It's good to be on the other side this time. So thanks for taking me up on the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you. So I always like to start off with uh, kind of the more obvious question that is, um, how did you get into the real estate industry? I got into the real estate industry after about eight years selling motorcycles and working in that industry, really because I wanted to take control of my schedule, you know, work in retail and motorcycles. It's a seasonal thing. So I was going to be at the dealership every Saturday, especially through the summertime, no matter what was going on in my world. So uh, unfortunately, I missed out on a lot of things, family and and friends that that honestly, I just didn't really want to miss. I looked at it as, you know, I'm not afraid to work really hard. I just want to be in control of my schedule. Uh, Now, I had a friend that I went to elementary school with that called me because he was just getting into real estate, started the wheels turning. I said, I wonder if this is what I'm looking for. Started doing more research and talking to other real estate agents and decided to quit my job, just put in my notice and, and dive head first right into real estate. I agree with you, Matt, with the ability to have your own schedule and make your own schedule. Um, what I have found in being on the loan side is my schedule also becomes an open door 24-7, of which we've got to really choose to, to make some time for family time, for personal time, and a lot of it, of course, for our clients' time. It's a great opportunity, but it also brings some challenges with making sure we, we set some boundaries for other things in our lives. Yeah, with, without a doubt, I think that uh, anytime you're an entrepreneur, you can really let the, the business that you're in really control your schedule and be 24-7 because it is such a passion of yours. And real estate being something that people really like to talk about. And uh, it's it can be high stress, right? When you're looking at buying a home or selling a home you get concerned late in the evening, right? So it can absolutely be that way. So thankfully, one of the things that I've learned along the ways is to be very intentional with my schedule and plan my time when I'm spending time with my family uh, or with my friends or doing the things that that bring me energy, right? Because if I don't have good energy and I'm uh, not the best version of myself, there's really no way I could be the best version for my clients. And they need me to be really, really good at what I do. Without a doubt, we have so many moving parts to every transaction and missing one could be detrimental in many different ways. And and that's something that uh, I've learned along the way working with you is that you and your team are highly attentive to those details so that nothing does get missed that could cause some concerns for your buyer or sellers uh, along the way. And and that's uh, why one of the reasons why we get hired to work with our clients. So you kind of mentioned real estate is a 24-7 industry. You are able to set some boundaries to help be at your best uh, when it's necessary, which is every day in different capacities of your life. When you come into work every day, what is it about real estate that gets you excited to continue to do it? Because, you know, there's a lot of stress there that we have to take care of and handle for our clients. You know, we've always looked at this as a service industry. And 
we're honestly, we're helping people with what is likely the largest financial transaction they're going to make in their lives. And it's a big deal. Uh, I share it with my team all the time that, that we're kind of in show business and that we don't get to have an off day. We don't get to have a bad day. We have to perform every step of the way, because if we don't, to your point, some, sometimes bad things can happen, right? We could be talking about thousands upon thousands of dollars in liability, right? If things aren't done correctly, yeah, it's kind of the extreme. Some, most of the things that come up can be, you know, maybe a little bit more minor and can be fixed, but we take that seriously. And that's a, that's a conversation that we want to have with every member uh, of my team now and anybody that, that joins us in the future, right? We don't get to have an off day. Right. And, and understood. And one of the benefits, which we'll talk about in a little bit is uh, having a team and being able to have other people other than Matt Harper to the B2, the go-to guy all the time. Uh, there's other people that can help address any of your clients' concerns when needed as well. Without a doubt. So kind of sticking with the team concept for a minute, uh, I know you've got a small team and uh, maybe you can address for the people listening, um, one, why you started a team, what benefits you have found in having a team, and then last, what the benefit is to your clients in having a team. Yeah. So when we look at the, just the, the gravity and the weight of everything that's going on for the clients that we work with for their uh, largest financial transaction squarely to be on my shoulders as far as my my bandwidth, what I can take on, my skill set, what I'm good at. That that's a big risk, and and I joke all the time that I'm just not that talented at many things. So I found that just because I'm not talented, it doesn't mean that I don't need to, or that it doesn't need to be done. That it doesn't need to be done really, really well. So I just looked at it as there's people that do things a whole lot better than I do. So why not just bring them into our organization so that we have just a high level experience for our clientele? So, um, you know, I'm not a photographer, so we hire a photographer. I am not an interior designer, so we hire the stager. I am good with some dates and deadlines as far as my schedule, but looking ahead and doing some of those other things for coordination, uh, not really what I'm great at. So, you know, we bring people into the organization, again, that are really great at those things so that we can deliver a consistent, repeatable experience for our clientele that doesn't have to worry about whether or not, um, you know, I, I happen to be gifted in that area. Right. And, you know, I think uh, as the real estate community uh, is expected to do is to actually wear all those hats you just mentioned. And the reality of it is we probably aren't as as good in all areas as we need to be and our clients expect us to be. So creating a team, just like you mentioned, with an interior designer and a photographer and uh, a coordinator to handle all the paperwork because there's an immense amount of paperwork, which is what I get to be involved with. There's, it's impossible to do all that and be good at what you do. And I, as we keep bringing up, being attentive and available to our clients as needed. I think the National Association of Realtors, their statistic on it is it takes about 50 hours for a real estate agent to do one single transaction. Now, that may seem like a little bit for some people that are outside the industry. That might seem like a lot for, uh, for those of us, right? When we look at having multiple transactions going on at a time, those hours start to compound. And if we don't have people strategically in place that can perform at a high level and systems and technology that can create this repeatable experience, then at the end of the day, certain things are going to get dropped. Because if you have three, four, five, or 10 transactions going on at once as a real estate agent, right, those are a lot of hours involved that you just can't do it all by yourself. Right, exactly. And, as, and the same thing in the mortgage industry. Uh, there are roughly seven to nine different people who touch a mortgage file between the day it gets started through the day of closing. And it's um, just an immense amount of paperwork, uh, attention paid to details, and everybody know, has their, their place and knowledge base for each part of the file. 
So I completely understand. And 50 hours can be eaten up pretty quickly. It, it absolutely can. Real estate's been great to you. I know you've been doing it for a long time. We've had wonderful success working together. But um, I think learning a little bit more about you might be a good segue to talk to the people that are listening because we are great at what we do and we're professional. But knowing the person behind the the suit and or the professionalism is also important because relatability is what people also like. Uh, real estate is a people industry as well. When you were growing up, uh, what did you see yourself doing after you went to school? So uh, through middle school and high school, I was pretty committed to being a high school history teacher. And that's where I started going to, to school. I love the idea of working around uh, kids, particularly high school age kids. Um, I, I would have never seen myself as an elementary school teacher. A whole different ball game there. So that was really kind of my goal was to teach and, and kind of do some, some assistant coaching for sports. It turns out I actually, I, I struggle when I read and a lot of the history degree is about reading. So I found myself falling behind in, in school with, with just not comprehending what it was that I was reading. I decided that that may not actually be what I'm cut out for. And that's that, that I'm glad that I made a pivot and didn't, didn't ultimately pursue that, especially with this last year of 2020 with COVID. My hat's off to the teachers because the constant evolution of what's happening with their job, I, I, I just am not sure how they're surviving. Exactly. And, and, and it has been a challenge for sure. However, Seeing people raise their hand and say, Mr. Harper, that might be kind of fun, huh? <laughs> we do, because I, I have that passion for teaching and just connecting with people, we do teach a lot of real estate classes um, for brokers that are coming in, right? Sharing the things that we've learned along the way, which is really just ripping off from people that have freely shared what they're doing at a, at a much higher level. So really just being a conduit for that information. So I know you have a wonderful family. And uh, maybe you can share a little bit about what you've learned about being, number one, a husband, and number two, a father. Yeah, so uh, my wife, Brenna, is an absolutely phenomenal person. And for those that know Brenna, uh, they know that I am um, not overselling that. She is beautiful. She is very smart. She is driven. Some of the best parts about our marriage and our relationship is she holds me accountable to being better at what I do. And she's always open to have that conversation and to be direct, to say, Hey, Matt, he, you know, you said something or you did something. We need to maybe look at it a little differently um, because I think far too often, you know, and I know me, right? I'm very guilty of it. Sometimes just living life with blinders on, not realizing how I'm impacting those around me. So she's very, very supportive of my goals and my uh, quirky ideas that come up as I look at different things that we can do to better ourselves, better our world, make the right financial investments. And, um, and of course, the family time. So. She has been so committed to making sure that we have a high quality of life uh, in our family life. And, and again, I just am so grateful and blessed that I have, uh, I have her in this, in this world to go through it with. So being a father has, has changed some things, right? My, um, uh, my child, I really want to be the dad that, that he believes that I am in, it, in, his, in his mind, right? And that's been a great motivation to get up and just continue to uh, be better at everything that I do. Um, it's also making it a little bit different as I now learn to rebalance my personal schedule and my work schedule because he doesn't, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand work uh, and what it is that I'm doing. And that's okay. Right. We want to make sure that uh, the family comes first and we're spending that time uh, with him uh, given the, the little bit of time we get uh, every day. Uh, and I understand that comment. So I have three daughters and I guarantee you at some point they understood that work meant earning a living and earning a living meant I could give them money so they could go buy things. 
So that day will come, trust me. <laughs> and when it, it does, it's, it's wonderful. And it's wonderful, wonderful to be able to give and help support the things that are important to our children and come from a place of where you can afford it and, and just be happy and be happy for them that they get to experience all different facets of life. When I tell you one of the, one of the best moments that, that I uh, get to experience, right? And it's a moment uh, every, every day when I get to pick my son up is just the, the joy that he has on his face when I pick him up. You can't get that anywhere else, right? It just melts your heart, that, that excitement to see dads. So I understand you, you like sports and there are two activities that you like more than others, one being football and one being hockey. Uh, did you play football or hockey growing up? Uh, so hockey, I, I think I did a inline hockey league when I was maybe 11 or 12 years old. That was the extent of, of my hockey experience. Uh, didn't really start playing hockey until I was later in life, mid twenties, started playing ice hockey. And I tell you, if I started playing ice hockey as a kid, I probably never would have played anything else. I just love the game. Uh, it's by far been my favorite game to play, just the flow and how everything works. It's a lot of teamwork and it's very, very fast. And I get to honestly skate really hard and then sit down and rest (laughs) for a lot of it, which, which helps. But yeah, I did play football. I played football when I was a kid, I played flag football, middle school. I got to do some, uh, some tackle football and then played football, uh, in high school, actually got the opportunity to walk onto a college football team, uh, and did that for a year, um, before it, you know, realization that I'm just not that talented at football to do it at that level. Well, they are big, strong, and very physical people that are uh, out on many in both sports. You mentioned hockey as well as football. So it sounds like you're okay taking a beating as as needed in those two sports. However, they're also amazingly uh, team, amazing team sports, and um, I think that's a big big part of our industry is the team concept. Going back to 212 degrees, as well as everybody that participates in one real estate transaction from yourself to the buyer, the seller, the listing or selling agent, the lender, the title company, and you know, you know on and on and on. Uh, that team is built throughout. And uh, we have to be able to get along and, and coach people and direct them and kind of be the leader of that because that's what our clients expect us to be. And I had, I swam as well as a kid and in, in through high school and loved the individual sport book. But the piece around team sports that you have to understand is you have to understand how your role fits into the bigger picture. And you can't do everybody's job. So you have to be able to trust that the other person's going to do it and know that you have the right people in place. Because if you don't have the right people in place, then you need to replace them with, with the right person. So we talk about that as well. Um, You know, top grading the the team that we have around us from our flooring referrals to our general contractors, to title companies, lenders, and Mitch, you and I have been working together for years and still one of our primary referral sources because we just have that trust and faith that the things are going to get done and we know what the outcome is going to look like. So we don't have to try to step in and save anything on the other end of it. We can really focus on what we're good at and trust that, that things are going to happen on the other end. So when I see you in the office, you got some big guns and uh, I know you're doing something to keep in good shape. <laughs> you mentioned something about CrossFit competitions and I have watched that on ESPN and that is some crazy physical fitness that is required to do that. It just, it kills my back just to watch what people do. Tell me what you like about that and, and tell me about one of the competitions you've done. Well, as far as the, uh, the big guns, you know, that um, started at a, at a younger age, hitting the weight room in, uh, in high school. But uh, I got into fitness competitions, specifically CrossFit, because I wanted something that was aggressive that could, um, you know, really push me to the limits. And I liked that it was varied all the time. We didn't have the same thing going over and over. So uh, the workouts were always different. They were unique. They were fun. And every day was a challenge. So I started competing in CrossFit a number of years ago. 
now I've had to take a step back as my body between, you know, hockey and football and riding dirt bikes and, and everything that I've put it through all of the abuse. Uh, my body has kind of told me that I, I need to hit the brakes a little bit and put pause. So, um, you know, good news is we may be having a solution for one of my, uh, my chronic issues and uh, might allow me to get back into CrossFit a little bit, but we'll see kind of where it goes. All right. Good for you. Well, that'll be, uh, I'm sure a welcome, welcome to vent and, and take it easy if you do get to get back into it. I don't want to see you in crutches in the office. <laughs> I've been on crutches. It's, it's not a lot of fun. So I want to jump back into the business side of things. And one of the things that um, as a lender, I get a lot of questions from home buyers because that's who I work with. I, I do work with sellers if they become a new home buyer after they sell their home. But most of my clients are home buyers. Um, and oftentimes they'll ask me certain questions about the lending side of things and the real estate side of things. So I'm, I'm familiar with those questions that come up. But if a buyer came to you and said, Matt, what is one of the questions that I should be asking you? That's probably one of the most important things as a new home buyer I should learn from you. What would that question be for that buyer? It is a great question. And, and ultimately, I think that it's about what is the truth in the market? Because there's a lot of people that are going to share their stories. And it's kind of the, the fisherman story, right? The fish always gets bigger the further we've gotten from that story. So that, that's what people are hearing. They're hearing sensationalized media. They're hearing from their friends and the horror stories. But, but what are the facts? What, what is the market really doing? What is it really like to buy a home in this market? And what is the truth around whether or not this is a good, uh, good investment or a good time for me to buy a home? And I do get that question often is, is it a good time to buy a home? And my answer to that is always, well, that depends. It depends on what your reason is for buying a home. Because if that reason doesn't go away, whether the market's good or bad, then yeah, it's probably a good time to buy a home. Now, if you're looking for something very, very specific, maybe there's some nuances around, maybe it makes sense to wait, maybe it makes sense to pull the trigger today. So that would be one thing that I'd really like, um, or I think a buyer should be asking, right, is what is some truth about the market uh, for what we're in, because the market that we're in right now is incredibly different than what it was two years ago. And it'll probably be very different than what it is two years from now. And of course, we don't have that crystal ball. Uh, but there's some certain challenges that buyers are facing in this market. And there's still some solutions. We can create opportunities for them uh, to get into homeownership. And it doesn't have to be the battle entirely that they keep hearing. And, and I think your response is great because it really comes down to what I'm hearing is one, direct communication valid and accurate data based on that communication, given what the current market dynamics are. And two, ultimately it's their decision, but you're there to support either decision they make with factual data because you have access to so much information to be able to guide them to a decision based on what direction they're leaning towards. If they say, I want to buy, own a home and, and I only want to live there for two or three years, then we're moving out of town. That answer from you would be different than someone who says, I want to build a family and live in this home for many, many years and possibly keep that home as a rental property and then look at buy another home for a primary residence. So your responses will be valid and point on no matter what those answers are. Yeah, very, very different. And, and you touched on something that, that I love, which is ultimately the buyers or sellers are making all the decisions. And we share that regularly, that they're the captains of the ship. It's our job to help navigate. You know, what is the market doing? What do we need to do to either get the home sold or uh, get into the property, right? In, in a home ownership. But ultimately the, the buyers and the sellers, they're making the decision because it's their life. And so when people hear this interview back, if they were a seller of a home, so we just responded to being a new home buyer, if they were selling their current home, what would you think would be a good question for them to ask you as well along the same lines so that they can make some good decisions when they call you to list their home for them? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's very much along the same lines of you know what is what is the factual data around what the market's doing. In addition to that, I think you know, they should be asking the real estate agent 
how do they perform in this market compared to the average agent in this market? Because there's a, a lot of real estate agents out there and there's a perception and it's a, it's a misconception that they all can do the same things. And the reality is it, it's just not the, the case, right? And Mitch, you know, a lot of real estate agents, you work with a lot, both on the buy side and experiencing the, the listing agents on the other side, you know, that, that not all agents are created equal in this. And it's more than just, you know, putting a sign in the yard and getting a property sold. It's how do we negotiate for the seller's best interest and avoid any potential pitfalls? Because as many contracts as you see, Mitch, you know that there's some things that, that ultimately kind of get written or done in there that may put a seller in liability or a buyer in liability where uh, a savvier real estate agent that's, that's looking at it differently can absolutely protect their clients better and protect them from potential lawsuits down the road, can protect them as far as thousands of dollars lost in their final sales price. So it's, it's a lot more than just what do we advertise the price for and can we find a buyer? Because especially in this market, as a, as a seller's market, extreme seller's market right now, we can find a buyer, but it's about finding the right buyer at the right terms uh, when it comes to that. So, so that's a question that I think sellers need to be asking is, let, let's look into the performance numbers of, you know, what is a seller's or uh, agent's list to sales price ratio? Um, how long are the days on market? What is their experience around contracts and different components to a contract around, um, you know, protection with escalation clauses, kickout clauses, and uh, it, all of the little nuances that can be in the contracts. And, and, you know, back in your bio, which I looked up and it's on the net everywhere, one of the very strong parts that I gathered from it was that your competence in knowing the contracts very well is really one of the highlights that you had stressed in your bio that you really pay attention to that because ultimately, to your point that you just mentioned, that a, a wrong box being checked could ultimately cost thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to either side of the equation, buyer or seller. That is sometimes just something which just wasn't paid attention to or wasn't understood. And it feels like that's really important to you to make sure that everything is being reviewed correctly to for sure benefit and protect your client. And your client is many different people, but buying a home buyer or a home seller, but ultimately it's the same thing. So you're protecting them. So I think that's great and uh, well-respected. And that's something your clients need to know about you. Cause I think that's really, really crucial. Cause I got to tell you, even if I buy a home, I don't look at every single piece of paper that's on there. And how many lines are on the contract now? 700 or 800? I know it's about 17 pages. So I don't have the lines memorized. As far yeah, as it's about there, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot and there's a lot of boxes that seem to be checked or not checked. And I always wonder why they are, or they aren't. And that's what you do and you do it really well. And that's what I hear from your clients when I'm working with them on the buying side and um, that, that they trust you implicitly because I know you're taking good care of them. And I know you do. You know, you mentioned about the market being very, very, um, that it's always different all the time, right? That's really the, the point you made when you said two years, what it is today will be different two years from today. And finding out that core decision that a client wants, needs to make in order to buy or sell a home. So Matt, um, if I were to come into you as a new home buyer and wanted to get information about, is this the right time to purchase a home? Assuming I qualify for a home loan, assuming I have some money to work with, and I've got a little bit of time to wait for the market to find a place that makes sense and works for me. Uh, how would you guide me through that process? So one of the first things that we're going to do is, is ultimately we're going to sit down and have a buyer consultation. And in that buyer consultation, I'm intimately going to get to know what it is that you're looking for in a home, right? Because you may be looking for a three bedroom, two bath house in Arvada or Denver or wherever, but that doesn't mean that every home in that, uh, in that city that's three bedroom, two bath is going to fit what you're looking for. Because sometimes you might be looking for uh, a home that's not on a busy street. It's got tall vaulted ceilings, white kitchens, backs up to open space. And those are just things that we don't always have the ability to search for in the MLS. 
So in that consultation, though, we're going to find out why is it that you're looking to buy a home? What is your timeline? You know, and if those things match up to make sense to move forward today, great. Let, let's take a look at moving forward. If they don't match up and it's going to be next year, well, then great. You know, we're still here to be a resource for you, whether it's today or next year. You know, so as we get to know what it is that you're looking for, ultimately go to work on finding it for you so that we don't just bury you in a bunch of emails with a whole lot of homes that aren't going to fit, right? We really kind of scour through and preview so that we only take you to the best of the best. Right. And, and that's great. Uh, one, because, well, the market being as strong as it is, two, defining that you're not going to waste my time. Three, my time is going to be limited. If I have a full-time job and I'm, I'm not, I don't have the ability to get out every hour, you say, hey, there's a new one on the market, let's go. You're going to define what it is that we want to go to and not take me to a place that doesn't work for what you've explored and learned from me. And um, I think people really appreciate that about you. Yeah, and I probably looked at over 80 homes when I bought my first house. And this was before I was in real estate. And it really, I think, took that long before my agent understood what I wanted and what I didn't want, um, because that was a lot of homes. And I was really bummed out by the whole process, to be honest. So we took a very different approach to say, hey, let's let's do the work on the front end of it so we can save time and, and just get them to the best homes right from the beginning. You know, we've talked about wealth building with real estate and many other conversations you and I have had over the years. And um, I'm finding a lot of clients that are calling me today are looking to buy homes for rental properties or investment properties where they're able to get into a home, put a, a substantial down payment, 20 to 25 percent down. But the beauty of a, a rental property is your tenants are now making your mortgage payment with you or for you as you receive that monthly income. And so in the long run, it definitely helps build wealth, helps pay down a mortgage that someone else is paying, does not take away the reality of being a landlord. There's a lot to that. There's a lot of midnight phone calls and there's water water pipes bursting and all the things that go along with owning a home. However, in the long run, in the long run it does have a lot of economic sense to consider doing that. What's your opinion on buying rental properties in today's market? And are you finding opportunities for any of your clients? Finding rental properties, finding properties for other people to live in uh, that, that pays you. I, I think that's a phenomenal path to building wealth because real estate, I, I can borrow the money to purchase it. I can charge somebody else to actually pay back that loan. It appreciates over time. And then I get some depreciation, some tax benefits to do that. So, you know, if I were to take some money and invest it in the stock market, it's not that the stock market's not a good investment. It just has a slightly different uh, mathematical equation to it, right? So for real estate in this market, the challenge is finding the properties right now. Um, you know, but when you find the properties, you simply got to run the numbers. And I have some spreadsheets that we send over to clients when they're looking at investment properties to say, hey, look, here's the numbers. Let's start plugging these in. And if the numbers work, it makes sense to buy it. If the numbers don't work, don't buy it. Because when we're banking on appreciation from the market to get you your return on investment, it's really speculation. And that's where you get into trouble. Uh, now, especially with rental properties, the biggest thing you can have is, is ultimately, in my opinion, cash flow. Because if you have cash flow, it solves problems. You need a new roof, you need the cash to do it. You need a new water heater, you need the cash to do it. And you can do a lot of things with that cash as it's coming in. But if you don't have cash flow, uh, you know, really, you're just, you got a property for somebody else to live in that's not benefiting you as much. So yeah, it's, it's a little challenging to find the properties, but if you're diligent about doing the homework, there's always properties to find. Agree with everything you just said. And I think that our, our marketplace right now is going to expand with the need for our properties to be rentable to people. Unfortunately, for um, reasons behind COVID and current homeowners going into forbearance and coming out of forbearance, and hope, hopefully they can afford to keep their home. Yeah, if for some reason they can't, they may end up needing to convert it to a rental property and then going to rent a place for themselves even or uh, selling it and there being more inventory to, to use and then they become a renter. 
I think it's always an opportune time to buy rental property if the numbers make sense to your point. I'm at the opinion where I don't mind putting a few hundred dollars a month into my rental property because ultimately I'm putting $200 a month into a $450,000 investment. That's a pretty nice leveraging number and it's not really running that much money to do it as long as the majority of the expense is being covered by the tenant at that point in time. And for those that are watching that might have young kids, what a great opportunity to pay for college and college is not going to get any less expensive. I don't have a crystal ball. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But uh, I, I just got a feeling based on. <laughs> it hasn't in the past. <laughs> I can tell you that firsthand. <laughs> based on his history, right? Everything just keeps getting more expensive. You could pay for the kids college today by picking up a rental property on a 15 year note. It's paid off by the time that they go to college and you could sell the property. Then you could keep it as a cash flowing property and pay for the college that way. You could give it to them. So many options. So if there was one thing you would like to tell the people listening to this podcast that we've not talked about yet, anything about you personally, anything about the market, what would you like to share with the people listening? I think ultimately when it comes to real estate, it's about having a, a great team around you, a great team of people that have the right information and have your best interest at heart. There's a lot of information out there that's misinformation, and there's a lot of people out there that have their best interest at heart, not yours as a, as a potential you know, buyer or seller. So find a great team uh, between you know, your lender resource, the real estate agent, your title company, all of that, and then make sure that they have, one, the right information, and two, that they're looking out for your best interest, because this is the largest financial transaction most are going to make in their life. So your expectation of your real estate team needs to be incredibly high. If we were looking at any other investment, any other avenue, we do our due diligence on that. You should do your due diligence on, on the team and make sure that you have high expectations and that they deliver. So I want to uh, thank you for your time today. That was great to get to know you a little bit more, Matt, and learn your wisdom in real estate. Learn about you behind the scenes. Now I know I can uh, bump into you in the hallway and I'll probably get hurt and you won't, but that's okay because <laughs> you'll throw a hockey move on me. If you could just let the listeners know uh, a way to get in touch with you. So when they listen to this and as they're done listening to it, they could get in touch with you to ask any further questions or talk to you about representing them. Yeah, so so pretty easy to get a hold of. My email address is just my first name and last name at KW. So Matt Harper at KW.com. And you can uh, reach us on our on our Google number, right? Which is uh, 720-773-0212. You can find me on social media, Matt Harper with our Facebook and our YouTube channel. If you check out our YouTube channel, there's a lot of great interviews, uh, some with Mitch on there, with just free information, resources about what's going on in the real estate industry. So thank you again for your time. It's good, good to chat today. I'm so appreciative again. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Pivot Lending Group, NMLS 10995. Copyright 2021, Pivot, all rights reserved. Financial Funding Solutions Incorporated, TBA Pivot Lending Group. 10397 West Centennial Road, Littleton, Colorado, 80127. Pivot does business in accordance with the Fair Housing Law and Equal Credit Opportunity Act. Pivot Lending is regulated by the Division of Real Estate, Colorado. To learn more or find a full listing of our state licensing, visit pivotlending.com or nmlsconsumeraccess.org.